0: Ladies, gentlemen, and time travelers stuck in the year 2015 who think listening to a podcast will give them the knowledge needed to repair their time machines mistake I might add. Welcome to the College Info Geek Podcast. My name is Thomas Frank, and this is a show that helps you become a more effective student. Whether that's learning how to study more efficiently, get the jobs and internships you want, or master your money, this show helps you make college an amazing experience and hopefully keeps that amazing experience rolling into life after school. Now, on this episode, I've actually got two brothers on the show, John and Michael Kenny, who founded an organization at their school, Tufts University, called Tufts Engineering Mentors. And what that did, was uh, actually paired freshman engineering students up with upper-class mentors, and they leveraged that experience to create an amazing conference on campus, and they actually got um, one of the top executives of Google, uh, specifically their Android development department, to come speak at this conference. So John and Michael actually pitched me um, on a podcast episode about how to create a conference at your school, how to bring like C-level, executive-level speakers to your school in a student program, and uh, we do talk about that in this podcast, I think it's an amazing story what they were able to accomplish. But we actually ended up talking more about just how to find a mentor, how to reach out to professionals and people who are, you know, a little further down the path that you're walking than you are. And, I think that most of the value for the average student in this conversation is, you know, bundled up in that part of the conversation. So definitely listen to the whole thing. I think you're going to get a lot of value out of all of it. But if you're the kind of person who have not yet found a mentor or who wants to find mentors and connect with people who are doing amazing things in your industry or target interest area, this is an episode for you. Um, There were some amazing tips in here that even I had not thought of before and I'm just really stoked to let you hear it. So if you want to find the show notes for this episode with a summary, links to anything that we talked about, all the resources that you might want to check out, and also ways to rate and review the show to help support it, if you'd like to do that, you can find that all over at CIGpodcast.com. Find the episode 72 link on that page and you'll get all that good stuff. So enjoy this interview. (laughs) All right, Michael and John, welcome to my show.
1: Thanks, Tom. Yeah. Thanks, Thomas. No problem.
0: Tom or Thomas, either one. I usually go by Thomas online, but my friends uh, refuse to call me Thomas, pretty much.
1: (laughs) Uh, I've been there. Everyone calls me Mike. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Michael, yeah.
0: I'm guessing you at least don't get Mikey.
1: No. (laughs) That's good. (laughs) I don't like Tommy. I don't think I would like (laughs) Mikey either. I can relate. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Well, John, you got got the lucky end of the stick because you got born with a short name.
2: Almost. Everyone thinks it's Jonathan.
0: Dude, so they for think real, being uh,
2: polite when they give it to me as Jonathan.
0: My parents they wanted to name me Thomas Jonathan or Thomas John Frank, and they couldn't remember if my grandfather's name was John or shortened from Jonathan. They guessed wrong, so my middle <laughs> name is Jonathan, and it's supposed to be John. So I feel you there. <laughs> wow,
2: that's, that's tough.
0: <laughs> Luckily, I don't really go by my middle name very much. So anyway, you guys, uh, you emailed me with a really cool sounding uh, pitch for a podcast episode, which is that you guys put on a conference at your school and got executives of companies to come speak at this conference that you guys put on. So I'm guessing you guys didn't have professors put this on for you. You guys actually set this up yourselves?
1: Entirely student run. It was uh, and it was our first conference to it. Uh, you know, neither John nor I had much of any event planning experience before we started this program. But, uh, you know, through it all, we we've, we organized a lot of small events, some bigger ones. But this conference was. One of the biggest things we did, it was sort of the cherry on top in our senior year.
0: I mean, that's super cool. Guys, like one of the things that I regret not doing, one of the things I wanted to do as a student was put on like a TEDx at my school and I never got around to organizing it. So when I got the email, I was like, ooh, maybe I can talk to some people who've been there and done that. And maybe it's not too late for me. (laughs) Uh, So, But taking back to the beginning, so what exactly was the conference and was it part of some larger initiative you guys were putting together?
1: Yeah, so I guess I'll let John tell you a little bit about the program because it, it, this program that we started became so big that uh, we actually sort of split the responsibilities into two. We were co-presidents and co-founders. Okay. And uh, and John ran a, you know, I, I took a lead role on these sort of what we called executive mentorship, which was our speaker events. Um, and John ran a lot more of the mentorship for students, you know, the direct mentorship. So anyways, I'll let him tell you about the program and then I'll tell you a little bit more about this
2: conference. Sure. Thanks, Michael. Uh, So yeah, it actually started about three years ago and the conference was just uh, in the spring. So we started out with this vision uh, and Michael and I, uh, we come from a big family. We have a lot of experience with mentorship through brothers and then also getting mentored when we came into the school because we actually were transfer students to Tufts. And um, through that experience, we thought there's a lot to be gained through engineering, especially from getting mentorship from older students. And you can really accelerate your career path as well as reach goals that you might have thought uh, were unreachable beforehand. So through our experience, we realized you know, mentorship is something that everyone can really value from. And there was really no established program to connect students And so we found out there was a lot of uh, kind of siloed communities. And so we started off in our our actually second semester while at Tufts, uh, creating this program with the idea that we're going to pair every single engineering student with an upperclassman that they can be mentored by and get assistance from. And now it just started as a small idea, and we were uh, overly ambitious in our first year. We actually had to uh, deny, we had, we had hundreds of students applying and we actually had to cap it at just 70 students in our first year. Um, and we actually, after two years, we, we reached a quarter of the engineering community and, uh, we're excited to see where it, where it goes in years to come. But right now we're, um, through the experience, we've, we've kind of realized that this is something that we were able to do at our school and something that we think we can share with other students so they can spread it to their schools as well. And so through this mentorship idea, we, we realized that, um, there's, there's kind of a a few different aspects to it. And one, one being events to keep the mentors and mentees together. And that's, uh, that's what actually led to our first conference. And Michael, Michael was really in charge of all the, uh, executive mentorship, as he said, bringing in speakers. And so he had this idea to bring in a, a large conference, something that had never been done before, as far as on the mentorship realm. And this was actually the first, um, student run mentorship conference in the nation, which was really exciting. Also a little nerve wracking when we were, uh, organizing it uh, months in advance, but it was a great experience. And the the MentorCon, um, which Michael talked a little bit more about, was just uh unbelievable experience in learning how just as students, there's so much within reach um, when you really kind of push yourself.
0: Yeah. Well, guys, I haven't even heard about the conference yet and I'm already massively yeah. impressed with what you guys achieved. And I think it's really important actually. Um, I really had no idea that this was the kind of program you're building. And I actually am really inspired right now because uh, when I was in school, um, I got to be part of uh, the club called Business Council, and they're basically like the liaison between all the faculty in the business college and all the students. And one of my jobs was to do uh, peer mentorship hours where I would sit in the academic advising office. And as a upperclassman, I guess I think it was only a sophomore at the time, um, I would advise students on what classes to take and basically give them advice on whatever questions they had. But a lot of students don't have that opportunity And now I'm getting emails all the time like, hey, how do I get paired up with a mentor? How do I get somebody who's a professional to, you know, take me on as a mentor? And I hadn't even thought of encouraging students to seek out upperclassmen who are still in school as mentors and here you guys are doing it. So that's just awesome. And I think there's definitely uh, other schools that could use a program like that.
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, John touched on, but these mentors, one of the biggest thing that I found from my mentors. Uh, my older brother being a big one, but also a couple of the faculty member I, members I connected with is having someone who's you know, telling you when you don't think you can do something, having someone who's telling you that you can uh, and is pushing you along and, and even sometimes showing you the way, they, they'll, they'll break it down into, it's something I'm trying to do now, is they'll break it down into simple sounding steps and make something that seems so big and impossible seem totally possible. And uh, I'm actually, with this whole conference thing, I learned a lot from doing it, you know, six months out when we started planning this, I wasn't sure what it was going to be. I wasn't, you know, I was, I wasn't totally convinced that we were going to be able to pull this thing off. And, uh, and, and then, you know, having gone through that process and, and one of the things I did is I found myself mentors, another group of students who had, um, uh, who were, who were running this, this program called Greenhorn Conference for Entrepreneurs. And I asked them, you know, how do you organize a conference? And they gave me a lot of advice, and they made it sound, you know, a lot more possible. And, and, and then I took this model that they shared with me, and I applied it at my school. And, you know, we had this wildly successful conference. And one of the things I've done is actually just, uh, I think it went up last Friday, I wrote a guest post on how to run your first conference. Um, so it's on mycollegeadvice.org. And, you know, I broke it down into 10 steps and I tried to make it sound as easy as possible. You know, we did it with a group of three people um, and we pulled off this huge conference. It was entirely student run. The administrators at our school, it's, looking back, it's kind of funny because they almost didn't even know what was going on. You know, they hardly knew that we were doing a conference because we used surplus money from our budget, pulled off this thing with under $500 generating most of the rest of our money from ticket sales. But, um, you know, all this stuff, it's it's all entirely possible and mentors encourage you to do it. And like you said, it's tremendously valuable to as an undergraduate, at, I think, at any point in your life to have mentors.
0: Yeah, definitely. So this uh, conference that you kind of use as a model and the founders that you talked to, this was at a different school than yours, right?
1: So it's interesting there. It, these were students. um, they actually, they had, it had started being associated with the Northeastern University, but actually Greenhorn is sort of this independent entity, not really tied to a school. It's a Boston entrepreneurs group that organizes mm-hmm. conferences. Uh, but the organizers are college age, just a little bit older than us, actually. So they were easy to relate to. And, you know, seeing them do it gave us a lot of confidence that we could too.
0: Okay. So was this a conference that you went to? Is that how you got hooked up with them?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we, we attended the conference.
0: So what was your uh, process for reaching out to them and getting help after you had attended the conference?
1: Well, uh, we kind of, you know, uh, we kind of we kind of went in there knowing that um, one of the things we wanted to get out of it was advice from them uh, as to how they pulled it off. So we talked to one of the conference organizers at the conference and said, hey, we're planning on doing this. What's the advice you can give us? And he was nice enough to sit down with us for about half an hour and just talk us through how they did it.
2: That's so cool. Yeah, and if I could uh if I could jump in and add something, I, I think one of the biggest um biggest things to to really um kind of understand, especially about getting mentors and reaching out to people, is I, I've found that people are overwhelming overwhelmingly welcome to giving advice and, and just sharing about their experiences. So we I at first we were just uh we talked down to the event organizer who at the conference he was he was busy as hell. He couldn't really spend much time with us, so he gave us fifteen minutes of his time. Then he said, "Reach out to me whenever you want." And it actually led led up to a later conversation that would that would go on for hours, and we uh, we had a lot of back and forth contact after that. But I was just so surprised by how willing he was to help, and through my experience with mentors, how willing they are to uh, kind of help younger students, and especially, really, especially college age students that are still trying to sometimes figure out your major and figure out what what your goals are going to be and reach those goals. Um, I've been really overwhelmed by how how helpful people can be. And I think um, when when we were going into that conference, it was really kind of it really changed our perspective on what what we were going to reach for. So maybe I think going in, we might have expected 40, 50 students to attend the conference. And after talking to him, he made it seem like we could have thousands of students at our first ever conference. And and I think we really, uh, we really pushed ourselves more because of having that mentor, and and that's really, uh, really allowed us to have such a successful conference.
0: Yeah, that's that's so cool. I think one good thing to highlight uh, right here before we move on is um, the part where you pointed out that he was able to give you just a short amount of time in person because he was so busy, but later on he was willing to you know offer more time, and I think that's a good thing to note because when you go to an event like this. Or maybe even when you email somebody, you might catch them at a time where they're very busy, and they would be willing to talk with you and help you out. But at that time, they're busy. So, you know, what I would say is, if you're like trying to get someone's attention at a conference and they're just kind of swamped, send them an email later when they're back home and all the like, craziness is over, and uh, you might have more success with getting them to talk with you.
1: And you know, I don't mind. I hope you don't mind if I tack something on there because this relates to something that happened to me just this week. Oh sure. Which is is you know it's. And it, um, it, it, so what I, I had been I had asked one of my mentors to introduce me. I've just moved to the Philadelphia area, actually, and I asked one of my mentors to introduce me to someone who's associated with Tufts, and they were connected on LinkedIn. And he sent me this great email, introduced me, um, but the guy didn't respond. And you know, for a while, I was like, I wasn't sure what to do. I uh, and, and what I ended up happening is I waited about a week, actually, and then I just sent him this real short note that said, hey, just in case I caught you at a bad time last week, uh, I wanted to bump this up your inbox. And what I found is that it actually improved, it actually made him even more willing to help me that he, I hadn't gotten to him at first. He, you know, he felt bad, he kind of wanted to make it up to me. Ended up being like, yeah, I'd love to. You know, I had asked for a mock interview or an informational interview at his company and he gave it to me and now it's turning into a, you know, a formal interview. So people appreciate it. Nice. You, Take Yeah, they, they appreciate if you show persistence and if you go the extra mile, especially looking for mentors, you've got to put in the work. You know, you've got to be the, the one, you know, powering that relationship.
0: Yeah, that is a fantastic piece of advice. Uh, and I think it's so cool that now you're getting an actual formal interview with that company and your initial interaction was mentorship and just asking for help.
1: Yeah. That's uh, super cool. It's so great. You ask for help and then that's like getting your foot in the door and, you know, you just take it from there.
0: Yeah. So if I, if I can offer a little bit of perspective from the other side here, um, you know, and this will apply to anybody that you're emailing as a student who's really busy or professional. I get probably 100 emails a day. And occasionally I'll get like people introducing me to other people who want help. And, you know, my job is not email, my job is making video or making podcasts. So a lot of the times I just can't get to my email. And like you said, sometimes people will follow up with like a little just reminder, bump it up to the top, say, hey, maybe you didn't get this earlier. I do appreciate that because it's just very hard to manage the inbox when you have so many other responsibilities and that's going to apply to pretty much anybody you email. If they're busy, they're not always going to be able to get to it right away, but that doesn't mean they're not willing to. It just right. might be a bad time. So, exactly. so tell me about the conference itself. What was the kind of the point where you guys wanted to get out of it and how'd you go about setting it up?
1: Sure. Um, so the, the idea with the conference is um, and, and, The reason I have a little bit more to talk about on this end than John is. John, meanwhile, while I was organizing this conference, was organizing this huge week of events called Engineering Week. It's this national. There's Engineering Week is a national thing. Tufts wanted to bring it to the university. I think we
0: had one at my school.
1: Yeah, and so like so, Tufts Engineering Mentors have become so big, and they, you know, the the administration at that point trusted us, and so they actually came to us and asked uh, asked us to help them organize an Engineering Week. Because the student who had done it in the past had graduated. And John organized this massive week of events. So meanwhile, it was like right before um, MentorCon was happening. And so uh, anyways, I have more details on MentorCon. And John's got this whole other thing he was working on, which is really exciting. But just just to give you, basically, um, the idea with MentorCon was a big ticket event. It was sort of, um, it was, you know, throughout the year we had lots of events where we had you know, it was a speaker and a group of students would come, but they weren't huge. You know, we had our first year at the end of the year had this award ceremony, which was our first big ticket event. And it all, that one all started with we asked the president to come and he agreed. And we basically took that and built everything, this huge event around it. You mean Obama? Um, no, I mean, <laughs> Tufts president. But like, it's like, it's like we, we would go to deans and we'd be like, oh, yeah, President Monaco is going to be there. Uh, you're also invited. And then, they you know, they got to show up. Okay. <laughs> anyways, okay, but anyways, it was a big ticket event because the, you know mm. that helps raise a lot more awareness than the smaller events. We can do a lot more marketing for it, and a lot more students are going to get engaged by it. And um, sort of the format of how we organized it is, uh, we had a keynote speaker and then three speaker sessions going on, uh, and it, it spanned from about 10 a.m. till about 3 p.m. And so it started with like uh, people show up. We even got like a, we even had breakfast. Um, some Dunkin' Donuts, and uh, then we had these dove into these speaker sessions where there was two or three speakers talking at a single time about different topics. So depending on what you came to the conference to learn about, we like we thought a lot of engineers were interested in entrepreneurship, so we mm. covered entrepreneurship. Um, and then there was guys who were uh, I'm trying to it was it's been a few months now, but there was entrepreneurship, and then there was engineering and sort of how to succeed in an engineering company and climb the ranks there, and uh, and so we had. Three sessions of that. And then in the middle, um, or no, actually it was right at the end was the keynote address. And so that was the Google guy, um, Google's engineering director in Cambridge. So he runs their whole site there. It's this massive, uh, you know, it's not the Google campus in California, but it is a campus in Cambridge. Uh, And this guy was nice enough that to him, mentorship was an important topic. And he decided he wanted to come in and talk about it and uh, became this huge event.
0: That's awesome. So what did you guys do to go about uh, getting his attention and, and bringing him in?
1: Again, it was persistence because this guy is busy and it just took emailing him, emailing first getting a warm intro and then emailing him a few times. And finally, uh, you know, it stuck and he he agreed to do it.
0: That's awesome. So uh, what was the warm intro? Did you just have a, a mentor of your own that knew the guy?
1: Yeah, a guy, a, guy, a faculty member at Tufts. OK,
0: Awesome. So uh, give me an idea for how the conference turned out, like how many students actually showed up.
1: So we distributed about 200. So we sold about 200 tickets. Uh, The funny thing that happens, and this is something that in in hindsight, we gave away free tickets to tough students. And um, Mm. well, well, we had different options. One involved lunch where they paid $5. Another one was a free ticket. And these people who take, who get the free tickets, they're not as attached to showing up, and so we had a uh, you know uh, a good number of those people who took free tickets didn't actually show up. Um, yeah. So in the end, we had like just over a hundred students show up, and also a lot of faculty members um, showed up, and they thought it was great. But so so it was it was it was a success. But um, you know we learned from giving out free tickets. Uh, but but it, you know one of the things, if anyone's interested in organizing events, especially a speaker event there's sort of three things that matter and it's the number one thing is the brand associated with, with the speaker. So Google is about as good as a brand you can get. Um, and then the second thing is their position. So people want to hear from someone high up in the company and, uh, actually maybe those actually, I'd say those are all the only two things that matter. The third thing is sort of how you present it on or what the topic is that they're going to talk about. But the main thing is the brand. And having Google is what drew a lot of the pull. But it okay. doesn't have to be Google. Any big, well-known company will work.
0: Yeah. So was it just uh, was that kind of your main selling point? Like somebody who works for Google, high up, is going to be the keynote at this conference. That's why you should come. And then we all have like a bunch of other events as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It was it was definitely about Google, um, uh, which which got people interested. You know, that was enough to drive people to our site, and then. You know, we did have you know. There's a company called Boston Engineering. We had the founder and CEO come. We had a panel of college-age entrepreneurs uh, come and talk to students. Uh, You know, an an executive coach person come and talk to students. So we had a lot of you know enticing speakers and enticing topics. But you really need that brand recognition to bring people. Yeah.
2: So and uh, I think it's really uh, interesting. Oh yeah, go ahead. Yeah, if I can add to that, I think um, one of the big reasons we, we were really um, uh, really focused on getting a super big brand for this conference um, because on, on campus, the Tufts Engineering Mentors brand alone had already kind of established itself as bringing in high-level executive speakers. And so Tufts students kind of already knew what to expect on that platform. But this was one of our first events, being a conference where we were also trying to draw in the entire Boston uh, Boston college age student um, kind of that that whole community and audience. So we actually were advertising at Harvard, at BU, at all different engineering schools in the area. and okay. that, that's what also made it very difficult. So Michael Michael was being a little modest, but we also um, we were also able to bring in students, engineering students from Harvard, from MIT. And get, grab their attention as well with this. And uh, the the overall theme of this entire um, conference was how to get your first mentor, and kind of telling students how easy it is, and not only not only how easy it is, but how how powerful a mentorship relationship can be, and how we were gonna kind of use these speakers and kind of sewn into all of these different topics that they were talking about was some sort of mentorship, and how that how that helped them accelerate their career or what kind of advantages mentorship brought to them. Yeah,
0: that's awesome. So what all did you guys do to advertise this conference, both at Tufts and in other areas?
1: Um, So one of the things, you know, John mentions bringing in, uh, it mentions bringing in students from all over Boston. And one of the things that, um, one of the things that we did in order to do that was actually developing partnerships well, okay. We actually ended up with one partnership, but we, it was something that we came, the, the idea sort of sprouted towards the end of organizing the conference. But we developed, we, we went out and reached out to the Northeastern Entrepreneurs Club, which is this massive organization at their school and um, developed a partnership with them so that they could help spread the word at their school. So in terms of um, getting other schools involved, the way to do that, because, you know, if you're there putting your like Tufts marketing material at, you know, MIT or BU, it's not going to really, it's kind of going to fall flat unless you have someone behind it from that school actually pushing for it. So, uh, I'd say the main thing that we did was was try to reach out and build partnerships. Um, we reached out to a lot of the deans and the faculty at other schools and asked them to tell their students about it. We went out there and put up some posters on campus. But the main thing is was developing partnerships with other groups. Okay.
0: That's, that's a really smart idea, actually. So uh, with those partnerships, did you guys have to offer any sort of reciprocal benefits or were they just happy to get the word out because they liked what you were doing?
1: We put their, we put their uh, logo on advertising material. So it was kind of okay. like the benefit to them, I think, that we tried to sell was, hey, we're hosting this awesome event and we're pretty much planning 90% of what's going on. We're going to get the food. We're going to make the website, uh, get the tickets set up make the marketing materials get most of the speakers we've already got this keynote and all you have to do is maybe get one speaker to come um, and tell your members about it and, uh, and you know you guys get to be associated with this awesome conference. Cool cool.
0: Oh, that's awesome. So one question I have because it seems like part of the reason that the conference was so successful, was that you guys had already established this Tufts mentoring, you know, organization's brand on campus, and it had a bit of pull itself. So, uh, going back to the days where you first started going to Tufts, what did you guys do to set the organization up? Uh, you know, what were the actual processes you went through, and what made it so successful?
2: Yeah, I can uh, I can speak a lot on that. I think that's a very good question because. That is definitely one of the key things that really decides early on whether a group, uh, especially student-led groups, are going to be successful. And it's really kind of you're trying to jump into the mind of an incoming uh, first-year student and what's going to really capture their attention. And so what we realized uh, right from the start, as Michael said, brand recognition, associating your brand with other brands. So we had our Tufts Engineering Mentors logo, which was – I mean, in the beginning, it was really just uh, a very kind of bland logo and something we later actually grabbed our our, uh, our brand logo that we have now. But we, we started associating the Tufts Engineering Mentors brand logo with the different types of food sponsors we would bring to the events or speakers and their brands associated with those. And actually, one thing uh, kind of that really – Um, exemplifies that would be our second year to – in our second year, we had a welcome back event. And one of the biggest things that – the only thing you really could see on the poster from afar was a Tesla car. And so the idea here was that we're going to bring people into a welcome back event where you're going to hear about what Tufts Engineering Mentors is. You're going to hear about why mentorship is so great. But when you look at the poster, the only thing you're going to hear about is free barbecue from the top barbecue <laughs> place in the in the area and then that we're going to have yes. a Tesla motor car show on campus. And not only on campus but on top of the school library somewhere that students really I mean, we really just wanted to put on a complete show, almost like a carnival was coming to town. We want everyone to hear about it, everyone to want to be there and of course everything's free. So right off the bat it's it's, it's a big hole in the budget, and it costs it costs a fair amount. But what we were able to find out is that we're working with sponsors that really gain a lot from being able to get that publicity on campus and then um, reaching out to this actual New England Tesla Motor Group that actually com- just offered to bring three Teslas to show. So we had a mini car show. And the I guess the whole uh, lesson to be learned from this was to really, you really need to get people's foot in the door. So like Michael was mm-hmm. saying earlier with the emails, you really need some some reason. So if you're asking them a question, a simple question on advice, and then that leads to an interview, we're just asking them to come to our event and enjoy awesome food. Yeah. So from that, they get to associate, wow, these guys have awesome events. Maybe I'll show up to their next event. Our next event turned out to be an executive from Milwaukee Tools, and, and, and as well as an executive from Bose coming in to speak. And it's really this combination of hitting them right early on. That first impression is extremely key. Oh, so right off the bat, we really associated <laughs> our brand with cool brands around. And that's that's what helped us develop our name. And it's important because in our first year, we developed our name more than we actually developed the program. And so we were able to establish a very high quality brand so that people would attend events. And they didn't really know whether the the event was going to be valuable in in some senses, but they knew that that what what they could expect from the past was high quality brand, and so we were able to use that as a starting point and then kind of polish off the parts that need a little more work later on. And so I think early on is really just establishing that first impression. And there's so many groups on campus, and there's so many groups that start and then eventually uh, wither away because that that first impression that you get from them is is not something that that people like right off the bat, and and once you kind of close that first door, once you get denied there, it's it's very hard to get people back on board, and that's why we really, really, really stress doing our best, um, our best work right on. So maybe starting the semester with those those high attention, uh, lots of free stuff, kind of bringing people in, and then later throughout the semester, we really pack in the the good stuff about mentorship, about pairing students, and all the other stuff. But I think getting people in the doors is is um the hardest stuff and that first month of school is really where you need to establish yourself
0: yeah and that's really really smart i, I wonder if students around the country are are hearing about the things you guys are doing and and taking inspiration because uh, i think i got an email for whatever reason from iowa State uh, i've been done for two years now but i got an email the other day and some organization on campus is doing an event and they're having it they're showing a Tesla car there
1: Wow. (laughs) And I thought
0: thought to myself, that is brilliant because I want to go to that. I want to go sit in a Tesla and check one out. You know, I'd love to own one someday. Uh, And that's awesome because that's what I think about, you know, and I've been thinking about this ever since I started a blog. You know, most students have these questions in their mind. How do I get a mentor? How do I get a job? All these different things. But when they're walking to class or they're just chilling on campus, that's not front of mind. So if there's a flyer that just says, hey, come learn how to get a mentor, you know, you're probably not hitting them right at the moment they're really wanting to learn how to get a mentor. They're probably worried about I need to get to Starbucks and get my coffee before I'm late for class. But if you can pop out with a Tesla car, you know, that's like a very visceral kind of image. And it's just a lot more enticing up front. So you guys are really smart in that regard.
1: Yeah, it's the brand again, you know, and, Mm -hmm. you know, just to to attach one thing to John's story is these executives from Milwaukee, Tool and Bose. I don't want it to sound impossible to students like, to, to organize an event like this because it's not at all. The executive from Milwaukee was one who had come and is now a, uh, a professor at Tufts. And the guy from oh. Bose was a student we, know, we knew. It was his dad. So it's not like the, the strategy that we used throughout the years in getting all these executives to come in was just to use the, connect, the existing connections from Tufts, from the students looking to the alumni network uh, all these people love to give back to their alma mater or, you know, help their kid out, whatever it is. So it's not impossible. You know, you just got to look. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's definitely a smart thing and very smart to talk about the, uh, alumni connection. Cause believe it or not, people just love to help other people that went to their school. Yeah. It's just that connection. Um, so, so I got a question from a student a couple of days ago, actually. And, um, she asked, Hey, you know, I know that you say, like, go take people out to coffee, you know, make connections that way, uh, build mentorships that way. I'm sitting in the Midwest and uh, I want to become a neurobiologist and all the people that I want to build relationships with, they're out in the West Coast. So obviously, you know, coffee meeting is kind of out for building a mentorship. So what would you guys do if you wanted to get a mentor who just lives super far away? What was uh, how would you initially start that relationship?
1: Yeah. So uh, I've done, this is something I've actually, I've, you know, I think the best mentoring relationships are ones where, you know, take advantage of the professors around you. But I understand that she, she's having trouble finding people, you know, who she can relate to or who she feels can help her. I've actually done things like this. I'll. it's, it's like I said, it's about leveraging that alumni network. Um, so you can, you know, most schools, I, I, I guess every school has some sort of directory of their alumni where they are, what they're doing. And um, you can look through that directory, but here's the here's what I've been using mostly lately is I go on LinkedIn and, you know, knowing that I like that alumni are always willing to help, I put in the search bar. Let's say I'm looking for was it neurobiology? Yeah. So let's say I'm looking for a neurobiology mentor and I'm from Tufts and Tufts doesn't really have that. I search in the in the in the search bar neurobiology tufts and look through all the connections that come up. I've got a lot of connections now, so there's a lot of second connections that pop up and you can always ask for an intro or that way. But even if, it's, even if you're not connected in any way, search that, send them a message on LinkedIn. And there's a trick to this too because if you don't have premium, you can't send messages. But you mm-hmm. send them a connection request, click the box that says you're a friend so that you don't need their email address. And then you've got about 140 characters to send them a little hello message where you say, hey, you know, I'm also going to Tufts uh, or you know, I saw that you were a Tufts grad and you're interested in neurobiology, and I love neurobiology. I was wondering if we could just talk. That person uh, will almost guaranteed accept that connection request. I'll also say they'll also usually forget to respond to your message. So once mm. they accept that <laughs> request, <laughs> send them a follow up message. Let them know you still want to talk, and um, and just get connected with them that way. So it's perfectly it's perfectly possible to connect with people across the country, and always leverage your alma mater.
0: Awesome. Yeah. And I guess another uh, little tidbit to add to that, you know, once you find this person on LinkedIn, they might have Twitter as well. And I don't know about you guys, but I don't get LinkedIn messages on my phone. I almost always ignore them, but I always get tweets and uh, I always get emails. So, I mean, if you can find a person's Twitter account or then be their emails like right on their profile, it might be a better channel to connect with them through if they don't end up responding to that LinkedIn message.
1: Totally. I think different demographic people have different you know, ways that are best to communicate with them. Mm, so yeah, Twitter yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah. Anything add, John? Yeah. I was going to say, th- there's a few things I'd add. I'd, I'd say social media, media all around. So I'd even, I'd even throw LinkedIn there as a, a way of social media, but Facebook, don't be afraid. A lot of people think that Facebook is just something to contact your close friends, people that you're more on, on a social level with. But it's 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 amazing how much you can use Facebook just like you can use LinkedIn, and there's okay. so many ways you can utilize it. Whether it's a private message, whether it's making a a post about something you like about neurology and including that person in in uh, in like an at at just like you can do in Twitter. Um, but there's a lot of different ways you can use that, and I, I wouldn't I wouldn't tell people to shy away from Facebook because it's something that you can also use just. Um, Definitely beware of what you have public because that's something that I've I've seen too many people make the mistake on. Okay. Um, but on another note, I think one of the most old-fashioned and uh, overlooked is cold calling, cold calling and cold emailing. So mm. if you're able to find someone's uh, contact information, which nowadays everything's online, it's pretty easy to find that information. And if you can't, you can sometimes get connections or. Or have someone introduce you. And I, I'd say, first of all, if you can get someone to introduce you and you know they know them, that's always best way to go. Always yeah. first route is an introduction. And a lot of the times, those will those will really just put you on the top of their pile under all the other emails. So you get 100 emails a day. But if I have your best friend introduce me to you, it's it's much more likely that not only we can talk, but we'll have a better relationship. Yeah. And in addition, well, what were you going to add?
0: I was going to say, uh, I don't know if you guys have read The Power of Habit in um, one of the chapters, he talks about these, you know, weak ties in relationships, where you know somebody gets connected to somebody else via a mutual friend, and those are the most important connection for success in business, even more important than uh, than strong ties, at least in the research that he cited. Wow. So, yeah, definitely important to be taking advantage of those uh, warm intros that you can get.
1: I totally agree. Yeah. I mean, I'd say my network has. Sorry to jump in, job My network has grown experience it's, it's it is those introduction connections that i make um that 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 turn out to be really valuable and and so it's 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 not like the network it kind of has this exponential growth where you're all of a sudden like you're second degree connected to all these impressive people and you have access to them
2: yeah yeah and um another thing that i actually just thought of it's Sometimes you don't think about it, but even just asking your close friends, relatives, do you know anything? any, any neurobiologist? Do you know anyone that might know someone? Because it can be a friend of a friend of a friend, but anyone – when you can get an intro, it's a lot more powerful no matter what the situation and or, or what the direct connection. Yeah, very true. Um, so, yeah, so back um, back to cold emailing and cold calling. I think cold emailing is – Something where you – it's kind of a win-win. I mean maybe you lose 20 minutes of your time writing an email but you get that experience so that next time it only takes you two minutes. And you can shoot off 20 emails to 20 different people and see what you get back. Like Michael said earlier, make sure you're persistent because persistence mm-hmm. speaks speaks wonders. And people don't um, – I don't know. Not enough people are persistent and that's why w- when you're not persistent, people kind of – they get a certain impression of you, but when you are, it, it really sets yourself apart. And then uh, finally, cold calling. I think cold calling, no one does it, especially especially people in the college age, especially those people. It's That's an opportunity for you to set yourself apart. A, a neurobiologist getting a cold call from a college student that's so <laughs> interested and not only so interested, but across the country that they found out about them, that's going to speak a lot. So I, I would, um, I definitely recommend, uh, that student that asked you that question to really push themselves into parts, um, that might be uncomfortable. Cause I know cold calling and cold emailing, it can feel really uncomfortable at first, but once you get those first and second successes, it really kind of motivates you and makes you, lets you realize how much you can really accomplish.
0: Yeah. So I have a few things I want to add here that I think would be really, really good, Uh, Number one, if you code call and they don't answer, please leave a message. (laughs) Just leave a message. I get get calls all the time and I don't know the number, so I don't answer. But if they leave a message, I'm always going to get back to them. It's just most of the numbers, like most of the random numbers that are going to call you these days are just like spam bots and stuff. So if you leave a message, Mm -hmm. you're so much more likely to get a call back. Um, Another thing I want to talk about is the perception. So I know a lot of people who think. Oh, if I go through the effort of looking someone up on LinkedIn, they're going to think I'm stalking them and I'm creepy. Or if I'm persistent, they're going to think that I'm like annoying. And most likely from their point of view, what actually is happening is if you're persistent, it looks like you care. And if you find them on LinkedIn and you're across the country, like it just makes them feel really special. Like they're the one person that you picked, even though you live in a different state. Yeah. So it's, there's so much less of the, oh my God, that person is creepy. Than you probably think there is. And it just happens through practice. Uh, One last thing, like you guys said, persistence is key with this. Um, You know, I do a podcast and I have to reach out to guests a lot and sometimes they don't get back. So one good thing to do would be to get like a Trello board or maybe a spreadsheet and just mark down the times and the people you email. That way you'll know like, okay, this person hasn't replied yet and I emailed him like a week ago. So then you can kind of keep track of that. And a week from now, you can put in another entry that you emailed him again and that way you know who you emailed. You don't forget about people and you're more likely to get those responses.
1: Now can I throw out a question and then I'll, I'll give my, my brief answer on it, but I'm interested to hear your thoughts, which is this is a question I wondered for a really long time cause I love doing networking. I got really into it. And then what I realized is, okay, now I've got a bunch of like contacts, but you know, how do I keep those relationships alive? And so, so what I would do is I, I would meet someone and I would always go connect with them on LinkedIn. And that was sort of like, okay, I'm doing something. But um, but but then you don't talk to them for a year or two. And, and now I've moved out to Philadelphia. My network's back in Boston mostly. And it was a question I really struggled with. And here's the answer I've come up with, which I think helps a lot, which is I, I, I connect with all these people on LinkedIn, like I said, and now what I do is I actually post updates on LinkedIn. And I'm actually the kind okay. of person who hasn't posted a Facebook status update in like years. <laughs> so this is this is not, you know, this is not regular for me. But I found that by posting status updates on LinkedIn, and it's not just like I'm feeling happy today. And <laughs> here's what I ate for lunch. <laughs> but it's, it's, um, it's, it's like, hey, I found this awesome article that you guys that everyone should check out. Uh, and I'll share with them or, you know, hey, you know, John and I made this online course or john and i did a podcast today check it out and it's not even like they need to check it out it's just that i'm going to show up on their news feed and they're going to be aware of what's going on in my life you know one of the top things is just having people know what your objectives and goals are so that they can pass opportunities on to you so i'm Mm -hmm. just like keeping myself in their mind by posting these updates so that's my answer but i wanted to hear thomas what you've got to say and, and john you know if there's anything you haven't told me
0: yeah Well, I definitely have an answer. I'll let John go first if he's got something.
2: Um, uh, Let me let you go first and add on to it because I do something uh, quite similar to what Michael does. Okay,
0: so uh, my answer is that think about Facebook, right? When I first got Facebook back, it was 2008. um, It was awesome because I was constantly getting these notifications of people writing on my wall, and it was so exciting. And now Facebook is terrible because I never get anything like that. It's always just people putting events up or putting things in groups. And there's never any attention put on me, any appreciation put on me. And I don't mean Mm -hmm. to make that sound like a selfish thing. Like I want all the attention. Everybody wants to make this be made to feel special, to be made to feel like attention is being put onto them. Like people are paying attention to them. So, and I don't think there's enough of that these days. I think a lot of people are very focused on their immediate circle of friends and themselves, and they don't put in the effort to give attention to the people that are like the weak ties a little bit further out in their network so a few things I do. Number one, I look at my Facebook every day and I see whose birthday it is. And I try to text them happy birthday, at least, or call them. But I don't like to post on their wall because I think it's it doesn't tell you everyone who posts on your wall now. It just like says, hey, yeah. 15 friends wished you happy birthday. Well, I'm not going to tell you who they or are. Like,
1: or like 500, you know, and then yeah. it's like personal
0: so what I want to do with those people in my network is every once in a while, I want them to like from their perspective see, oh, somebody's thinking about me today. That's awesome. You know, hey, Tom, actually wish me happy birthday. Um, or a lot of my friends are content creators because I'm a podcaster and YouTuber. So, you know, most of the people in my network create some sort of content online. So whenever I have a free moment, you know, I'll just try to remember who's in my network, who creates cool stuff. I'm going to go see what they've done lately and I'm going to share it like on Twitter or on Facebook or something. You know, that's validation for their work. They're going to appreciate that a lot. And um, one of the coolest systems I saw, you know, and this, I don't want this to seem disingenuous because I think when you systematize networking, a lot of people get this idea that you're sort of uh, taking like the passion out of it. Like you're taking the humanity out of it. Um, Mm -hmm. My friend Tyler, he actually uses Trello. And what he does is he, he has a, he has a board on Trello and he's got 12 lists uh, for each month of the year. I guess the the rightmost list is the current month. So then he's got a card for every one of his contacts, like personal people in his network. And what he'll do is the last time that he has done something with that person, that's what column they'll be in. So that way he can log in every once in a while and be like, oh man, I haven't talked to Joe in Boston since January, I haven't done anything with him. So I'm gonna go share his latest blog post or like send him a text, see how things are going. And then he'll move Joe into you know this month's column. So that way you has this constantly updated system to see who am I, you know, paying attention to, uh, who have I not really given much attention to in a long time? Is there anything I can do to fix that? And that way you are giving attention to people. Cause the problem is with the internet, we just have so many people in our networks that I don't even think our brains can physically maintain that many relationships at once. Yeah. <laughs> so yes, that's my answer. But what do you got, John?
2: Yeah. Thanks, Thomas. Um, so I have, I really like the Facebook birthday thing, and I've I've actually made a similar change to what you've done. And uh, I no longer try to post on the page. I'll try to send a personal text, or if I know it's someone that's close, I'll I'll give them a call and uh, and just re- wish them a happy birthday. Um, and even if it's like a day or two late, it's 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 really just showing them that you're and that you're kind of just esta- still establishing yourself as uh, kind of in their world and still in the circle. Yeah. Um, another thing that I do is when I'm reading a an article or I see something that that um, reminds me of another person and maybe a conversation that I've had in the past I'll either I'll make a note of it for later or right away I'll try and email whether it's a professor that I used to be talking to about 3D printing and I just found a great article on 3D printing send them an email and that can spark a quick little conversation Um, that's that's something I'd say you can use all around the board so if it's if you had a conversation with someone that was just a year ago and you realize maybe there's something that you could add to that, or there's something that can there's some more value that you can add to it through something you've seen. There's there's a lot of different ways to use your social media to do that. And I think, I think using social media, like I just went to this conference. Wish you wish you would would have made it there, Thomas. You would have loved it. I I comment with you at you and uh, give you a link to it. Maybe do it publicly so other people that are also following me can see um, can yeah. see the article as well. But really trying to use social media to kind of use direct contact and share links, share information and um, use whatever you can to really stay in contact with people really um, by using social media. And I think Twitter is another great way to do that as well.
1: Yeah, You know, if there's any one little comment, you know, if there's anything that a listener takes away from that, this is that networking takes work. It's, you know, you've got to build that first contact You've got to continue that contact and you've got to put more energy into it. But like I said before, now I'm almost about to get a job, at least to get about about to get the, a formal interview because of this connection I've made. So I once saw a stat that 80 percent of jobs get filled through networking. Yes. Um, so, you know, it's huge. The payoffs are huge, but it takes work.
0: Yeah, exactly. I, I think that can't be understated because I think a lot of people, you know, even this intuitive belief in my own head that. Uh, you know, networking and social relationships shouldn't be work, right? They sh- I should just be a naturally social person. And if I'm not, you know, constantly updating people what I'm doing and, and reaching out to people like there's something wrong with me, because that should be natural. But it's not, you know, it's something that we have to mix in with everything, all, all the work we do, all the you know fun we have, and just the time we have in family, It's it's got to find a spot in our day. And it doesn't unless we're deliberate about it. So that's why I'm okay with using computerized systems to make sure I'm, I'm yeah. keeping up with people. It's not that I'm a robot. It's just that otherwise you're not going to do it. So, yeah, definitely. And great, great answers on your part too, guys.
2: Yeah, thanks. Yeah, I, I actually have one one last thing I'll add and okay. uh, use this as you may because this is something that a, um, a friend that started his own business uh, that he actually um, – an alumni of Tufts that I got to go to a conference with in Chicago – uh, one thing that I, I realized while I was at the conference with them was wh- they just made these new Coke cans where you see someone's name on the Coke. Right. And, um, <laughs> I was a little surprised because this guy's um, this guy's in his early fifties, so I was a little surprised when I saw him doing this. But he would he would uh, find the Coke cans with his friends that he saw. So maybe it was a person named Michael. You hold it up next to his face and send them a selfie via text with them next to him. Just say, "Hey, um, send them a quick note, or or just send them the picture alone." But it lets them know that you're thinking about them. It's kind of playful. It kind of um, throws the ball in their court, so maybe they'll be next to send something back at them. And it really it gives you kind of a playful way to uh, restart the conversation when maybe you you couldn't find a way to kind of restart that. Maybe you had a first really good conversation, and you weren't sure how to kind of reignite that flame. So I think um take that as you may and maybe you have your own way to do that. But I I thought that was a really cool way to on a friendly way kind of re reignite that conversation.
0: Yeah. No, I think that's an excellent tip actually. Um in you know in more general terms, one thing I've noticed is that a lot of people in their networking efforts end up creating work for the people they're trying to connect with. Oh no because it's you know it's not like intentional but it's like uh, you know, you feel like you want, you want to, you want to do something with this person. So it's just like, Hey, can we, uh, you know, collaborate on a project together or Hey, can I interview you for this? Or, uh, can you, you know, do something for me? And I think that's what brings a lot of stress into the ongoing active networking sometimes. So just like, like you said, John, those more playful acts, like sending a picture of, you know, a Coke bottle with somebody's name on it, or like sending them a dumb selfie on Snapchat or something, that's a good way to let them know you're thinking about them in a way that doesn't generate work for them. So yeah. excellent way to mix it in.
1: You know, what that brings to mind is um, uh, email introductions. We talked a little bit about it, but I would, you know, I, two, a couple weeks ago I asked for an email introduction. Um, well, you know, I asked about this, this one where I wanted the informational interview, but I had another one where I have this contact and she knows this great venture capitalist guy and I wanted an e- email introduction and It's funny how these two email introductions I was asking for helped each other out. So I asked her for one and she was really busy and she didn't have, uh, the email I sent her, I kind of cringe at it looking back and I was like, hey, you know, you said you could introduce me to Chris, Um, you know, would you mind doing that now? And then, uh, not in those words, it was a little more eloquent, but uh, then the other guy, I hadn't heard back from him and so I did a Google search, you know, how to do an email introduction right. Actually, this guy, Chris, he's a prominent venture capitalist. He wrote this great article, Chris Freilich, on how to do an email introduction right. Because he's handling hundreds of, of these email introductions. And, you know, he gets hundreds of emails a day. Anyways, what he, what, what he said is, what you need to do is, you've got to make it easy. It can't be, you, you can't be emailing them and saying, hey, can I have this introduction? Because then what that person need, needs to do is write a whole email that explains who you are, And, you know, do they even know what you want? But if they do, it has to explain what you want from that person. And, you know, this woman who I emailed asking for the introduction, she's so busy, like she ended up not being able to do it for over a week because it was just work, extra work on her plate. And I was asking for a favor. And looking back, I'm like cringing because why should she have to do that extra work? She's actually one of my mentors. So she's I'm supposed to be the one putting in the work anyways. Yeah. And so what Chris said to do is you write this email, say, Hey, you know, you know, I was it was really great talking about Chris the other or hanging out with you the other week. I'm glad you mentioned that. You know, Chris, I would love to get introduced to him. And then below that, you write what I do is I bold their name, so I bold Chris and say, Chris, if you get a chance to see this, I'm Michael and you know I'm a student and I'm interested in venture capitalism and I'd really love to talk to you for 10 minutes over the phone. Um, You know, just let me know, and then she can just in 30 seconds forward that email. Uh anyways, that's the, that's
0: that's right. Brilliant. (laughs) I had never thought of that. You know, I, I honestly thought you were going to say, write the intro email for them and just be like, Hey, here you can copy paste this. And like, I've had people do that and the intentions are great, but I'm the kind of person who likes to personalize my words. Same thing when people are like, Hey, can you, can you promote this new book I wrote? Here's a tweet I wrote for you. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to use your pre-made tweet. That's disingenuous, but right. You nailed it, dude. I haven't Chris thought about that, but it. that's Chris great. That's he brilliant. Okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to link to his post in the show notes for this. Cause that's yeah. actually really smart. Just easily forwarded. Bam. Hey, this kid emailed me. He's really cool. And he, he's got the thing right down below. Yeah. That's awesome.
1: So, and it's, Big it's, it's on Forbes.com.
0: Okay. Yeah. I'll definitely put that, uh, in the show notes, man. I'm like wondering if I should title this podcast, how to start a conference or just how to find a mentor. Cause you guys have given so much good information on both. Yeah, I know. It's, <laughs> I, it's,
1: It's because I think, you know, the reason we sort of pull attention towards this mentorship thing is it's so we're so passionate about this whole program was was about our experience with mentors and wanting to share that with other people and then finding a supportive body of mentors who helped us blow this thing up and achieve more than we ever thought we could. So to us, mentors is like something I think about every day. I'm always networking, looking for more mentors or to be a mentor to someone else anyways. And that's what the conference was about, too. So. Yeah, we have this bad habit of uh, of, uh, shifting towards, um, you know, this idea of mentorship. That's awesome.
0: You know, I think honestly, like how to find a mentor will be uh, one of the it's one of the biggest topics that students ask about. So that might end up being the title. And then um, people will get to learn how to set up a conference as well, because that's really cool. And uh, I might use some of those in my own future things. I think I would like to put together a conference of some kind someday. So it'll definitely be some, uh, some good advice to follow. So guys, well, what are you doing these days? I mean, is there something you're building online? Is there a, you know, writing somewhere? Or,
1: or are you just moving yeah. into your next chapter of life? John, why don't you tell them about Nemo?
2: Yeah. Um, no, we definitely don't want to leave this behind. Um, though we're leaving Tufts Engineering Mentors behind to our successors, um, we realized all the benefit that this provided us with and also the students involved in the leadership team, as well as the mentors and mentees. And we realized that uh, with a little more research, there's not really any programs exactly like what we've established. There's mentorship programs, but not, not on the same peer-to-peer level. So we've started National Engineering Mentors Organization, where uh, we've started out with um, some blog posts and some uh, online information about how you can start your own mentorship program. And what what we're really passionate about is just like we wanted all engineers to be able to pair, be paired with upperclassmen mentors at our school, we think that's something that's possible at every single school, and we're trying to tackle one school at a time and and really kind of spread this throughout the nation. And so, National Engineering Mentors Organization, aka Nemo, is that's our awesome. our ne- our newest project, and it's um it's a side project uh next to our kind of full time career, but it's also some we're very passionate about. So, who knows what it uh, will develop into.
0: Cool. So, what are you guys' initial plans for, uh, for driving it forward?
2: Uh, Michael, you want to take this?
1: Sure. So, um, you know, it's, it's really doing things like this. We're, what we're trying to do is just get our name out there um, and, and let other, sort of, share our experience with other people. So, uh, <clears throat> we've got a, co- a course on Udemy how to create a mentorship program. Right now, we're working on building out some more courses that'll supplement that and kind of dig deeper into how to do, you know, things like a conference and how to get speaker events and how to raise funds and all these things. But um, it's and, and doing some guest posts too, like John said. So the getting started is really is about creating content online for us and creating sort of a, a name online. And then um, you know, like John said, it's a part-time job. But uh, we're both pretty entrepreneurial, so you know, it, it's, we're, we're, we would love to do it full time. It's something that we're really passionate about.
0: Awesome. Cool. Well, yeah. I'll make sure to link out to, uh, you know, the site and the guest posts you wrote as well on my college advice in the show notes. Well, oh, guys, yeah, thank thanks you. so much for coming to the show. This has been an awesome interview. There's so much that I want to talk about in the summary and just link to. So definitely one of the most awesome episodes ever. So thank you guys.
1: <laughs> wow. Um, well, thanks for having us. Thomas. Yeah. yeah that's really nice well you know I had a, I had a great time it's, it was great talking with you um, and uh, I hope that for any of those listeners you know if there's one thing I that you guys take away from this it's the value of finding mentors and don't wait to do it when you're a student is when you've got the most opportunity to build your network and find mentors because the, the people around you right now are so willing to help uh, they're willing to let you make mistakes you know when you get out in the real world, And you start making mistakes, people will write you off. But, you know, right now you're surrounded by And one of the biggest resources are the faculty. These people who, you know, a lot of them have come from industry, wildly successful careers, you know, and they just want to help you. So take advantage of it. You know, find mentors. Try out this networking stuff. Believe me, like, you know, finally trying. Like, I feel like I'm finally figuring out networking a little bit. And I've been doing it for a few years now. So the sooner you start, the better, you know, the sooner you start getting good at it.
0: Yeah. And just like you guys said at the beginning of the show, you know, your initial efforts were finding uh, upperclassmen mentors for freshmen. So uh, if you're listening to this and you're a freshman, remember that you can find a mentor who's still on campus. It doesn't have to be somebody who, you know, works across the country, though there's yeah. no harm in reaching out to that person as well. Right. All right, guys. Thanks so much for coming on the show.
1: Absolutely. It was a great time.
0: Thanks a lot. All right, guys, thanks so much for listening to this interview with John and Michael. I got a lot of the conversation, so I hope that you did too. And if you want to find any of the resources that we mentioned in the interview that I'd said I'd link up on the show notes, you can once again find those show notes over at CIGpodcast.com. Episode 72 link on the page will get you to that summary and those links. You can read the articles we talked about and all that good stuff. So, hey, if you want to help support the show, you can go into iTunes and leave a rating and review. It takes about 10 minutes, uh, maybe less if you're super fast at typing. And it really helps the show out, it gives me feedback, but it also tells iTunes that hey, this show is cool. We should show it to more people on the charts and on the uh, you know podcast pages. So definitely do that if you like this show and you have a few free minutes. Otherwise, you can also find my favorite resources for making college an awesome experience over at collegeinfogeek.com/resources. All my favorite tools and apps and books are listed over there, and I'm going to be improving that page in the future. So just keep checking it. Uh, every so often and you'll find good stuff there so thanks again for listening i will see you next week and stay cute as always
2: thanks for listening to the college info geek podcast grow your brain even more at www.collegeinfogeek.com